If you're new to church, one of the things you need to know that as church, we celebrate together, we grieve together, we carry one of those burdens, and we also celebrate uh, together. One of the ones, one of the things we celebrate yesterday was one of my favorite people in the world, Georgia Rion. She's not here today because she was celebrating her 90th birthday yesterday, and she was wiped out. But if you would, she's watching online. If you would, give her uh, an applause, please. I love, I love the fact that what God is doing through our online capabilities. And so if you're joining us online, I'm so grateful for that. I continue to hear more and more about people around the country and even around the world that are participating with us right now online. In fact, I just recently heard from Randy and Susie Lavelle as they took a family vacation. They got to see Jessica and Michael Whaley, and uh, Jessica is stationed in Hawaii. She's part of our military and armed forces, and so their family is down there, and they watch us every week and participate. And so we're just so grateful for what God is doing through that and so many that are coming and seeing and being a part of us in person on campus after having watched online for a while, and God continue to bless that. We're in a series that we're calling Called, and we begin last week with this idea that why are you where you are in life, and so many of us feel stuck in life, or we're wrestling with the question, How did I get here? And if you didn't get a chance to participate in last week, I'm going to ask that you go back onto our online and listen to the sermon because there's a call that's waiting. And as we said last week, it's for you. And God has a call on our life. And so today, I want to continue that. But I want, to, I want us to look at what is perhaps the most famous call in all of Scripture. Perhaps it's the, it's the one that is the model call for all other calls. We're going to call it mobile calling, and you're going to understand why in just a minute. I've got all these scriptures that we're going to cover um, a few today. They're all on the app. If you go to westernhills.church and then go to uh, Sunday Message Resources, you'll find a link there that have all the scriptures kind of gathered in one place for you. But I want you to follow along, and if you've got a, a pen or something you can write with or something you can take notes in your app with, I want you to do that. Or maybe have your phone ready to take a picture because I'm going to throw some points up on the screen that are going to be a blessing to you if you will wrestle with them and struggle with them throughout, uh, throughout the week. Here is the call to a man named Abraham. And we're going to start in Hebrews chapter 11. And we're going to start in the New Testament, and then we'll back into the Old Testament where we actually find his story. But anytime you find something in the New Testament that's referenced back in the Old Testament, you want to pay attention. Because what's going on is the New Testament writers, the New Testament preachers, they are calling our attention to the ongoing story of what God is doing. And so they tell us about Abraham. And the chances are that even if you're not a church person with us today, or you're watching online, that you've heard the name Abraham. Three of the major world religions track their, their ancestry, their beginnings, back to Abraham. And here is where... It all begins for us as followers of Jesus. And so, 
the Hebrew writer who uses Abraham as an example. He, he talks about the call that Abraham received. And here's what I want to show you. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though, watch what he says here, he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. The Hebrew writer is talking about this character named Abraham, and at times his name is Abram, but it ends up being changed and lengthened to Abraham. But he receives this call, and it calls him to go mobile. And that's what the call of God is. In fact, it's referenced again in Acts chapter 7. This is Stephen who's given a speech. Stephen's going to end up being martyred for his faith in Jesus. But while he's on trial, he gives this speech. He says, To this he replied, Brothers and fathers, listen to me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham while he was still in Mesopotamia. And we'll talk about that in just a second. Before he lived in Haran. Leave your country and your people, God said, and, and go to the land I will show you. The first thing that I want you to understand is that God's call is always a call to go into motion. God always calls you into motion. There is no place that God ever calls someone in the scripture and says, I'm calling you to just sit there. I'm calling you to just stay where you are. I'm calling you to experience no change whatsoever. Every time God reveals himself, there, he expects a response, and it's always a call to go into motion, never one to stay put. And so the call that's on Abraham that I believe is a model for all of us I believe has impact for all of us, is when God calls and places a call on your life, it is never just to be there. He's calling us to go forward. He's calling us to be mobile and go into motion. It is a mobile call. Early on, when cell phones became a, started becoming a thing, I can remember getting my first cell phone. It was the Nokia. You know, it's got the little antenna that pulled up. If you, if you remember this great technology. So I, I got one right after they went from kind of the big bag and 40-pound things down to the little handheld. And you would raise the little antenna. I don't know what that much of antenna made a difference, but it would apparently. And the thing that fascinated me, and still, quite frankly, fascinates me about cell phones, is that I can be almost any place, at least in any major city in the country, and you can call me, and it finds my phone. How does it know? Please, nobody send me the specs on how it works, okay? I, I, just let me enjoy the mystery. But think about it. Here's God. God has this incredible ability to call you. And wherever you are, He can reach you. There are no out-of-coverage areas in your life. 
Now, you may try to be out of his area. You may want to be out of his area. But you're not out of the reach of God. And so God is reaching out. And when he calls, he is inviting you. He is calling you into motion on his behalf. So let's look at the call to receive. So here's where the call comes from. It shows up in Genesis chapter 12 at the very beginning of it. This is where he's going to be referred to Abram at first. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Here's Abram, and he's living in a place called Ur of Chaldeans. I'll I'll show you a map in just a second. But he's comfortable there. He's well off. His father is incredibly wealthy. And they have livestock and herds and a large family. And there's good grass where they are. And they're worshiping a set of idols and gods. And everybody's really comfortable with it. And life is good where he is. And this God that Abram doesn't even fully know yet comes and says, It's time to move and places a call on his life. And the first thing, and the reason I think this serves as a model for all of our calls is that God calls you from your comfort zone into his blessing. God is not a respecter of your comfort zone. I wish he was. But he shows up, Abram, and Abram had no need, no reason, no motivation to leave where he was because life was good. The only thing that he was lacking was that's not where God's blessing was going to be found. And so God is inviting him and calling him out of his comfort zone into his blessing. That's what the promise is. He says, I will bless you. I will make a great nation from you. And so the next thing that I want you to understand is that when you follow God's call, you receive a blessing. But did you see the second half? It says, and I will bless everyone through you. When you respond to God's call, He calls you from your comfort zone where you're not being a blessing into a life that's not easy, but it is the position of his blessing that you begin to receive his vision for your life the call that he's placed on your life and in that opportunity and in that response you can become a blessing to others in a way that you cannot be if you stay put inside your comfort zone and so he calls abram onto this unbelievable journey It says, it's time to leave the place where you're comfortable. It's time to leave the place where you have all of your herds and all of your flocks and all of your wealth and all of your friends. 
It's time to go on a journey. And what's more amazing than the call itself is that Abram responds to the call. But there was a problem. Something happened that disrupts this story. Something messes up the flow of the story. And I want to show you that in Hebrews chapter 11. Back up. It's at the very end of Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 31. Now, we're going to meet a new character, and that's Terah. Terah is Abram's father. So here's what happens. Verse 31. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, and the wife of his son Abram, and together, now look at how it says it here, together they set out from the Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. Canaan is the promised land that God's basing this whole blessing, this whole promise on. When he calls Abraham to go into motion, he says, I'm going to give you a land. It is Canaan. They set out as a very large family, as a very large tribe. They're headed that direction. That's the purpose and the destination of their travel. But look at the next verse. But when they came to Haran, they did what? They settled there. We don't know why. But something happened. When they got to Haran, they got comfortable again. They got familiar with it again. Let me show you, show you the map now. This is what's known as the Fertile Crescent, if you look at ancient history. The Ur of the Chaldeans, where they started, or the Mesopotamia, is this area down here. And they begin to walk. And when you travel this way, you travel along the major rivers. The Tigris and the Euphrates were the major waterways of the day. And so, from here up to Haran, it's all lush, it's green, there's plenty of water. It's an easy travel to make. When you get to Heron and you're about to head south, it gets rockier and more difficult. And so there was something about Heron that caught their attention. And I think it probably has something to do with Terah, Abraham's father. That there's something about him that he got very comfortable there because there's a point that's made that says Terah lived 205 years and he died in Haran. I think he got there and he says, we've gone far enough. We don't need to go anymore. The rest of the journey, I know we set out for Canaan, but that's far enough. This is good enough to honor God's call. We'll stop here and settle down. It's good land. It's good pasture. There's plenty of water. And we can worship the gods that are very familiar to us because that's what was being worshipped all around them. And they can keep all their old idols. They can keep all their own allegiances and all their old loyalties. And that's far enough. But here's the problem. And this is what you and I run into when we begin to follow God's leading and then somewhere on the way we go, that's enough, God. 
I'm not going any farther. I'm not responding to the call. The call comes in, but once it gets difficult, we're ready to hang back up. And so here's the truth, and this is going to come across harsh, and I don't mean it to, but you need to understand the truth that partial obedience to God's call is still disobedience. Partial obedience to God's call. Going only part of the way with God's call is still disobedience. And if you're a parent, you understand this. If you want to instruct your child, please take out the trash. And the trash goes from the trash can in the kitchen with all of its smells and trash juice and yeek. And it makes it as far as the front door. Then your kid's camped out on the couch watching Netflix. Hey, why didn't you take out the trash? I made it to the front door. Dad? I'm not satisfied with that. That's a partial obedience. But I don't look at it and go, hey, halfway. I got it. It's disobedience. And for so many of us that follow Jesus, we're so tempted to go halfway. We're so tempted to go a partial direction. And God's calling us into something, but we'll go right up to the edge of our comfort zone. We'll go right up to the edge. We'll say, that's got to be enough, God. Let me stop here. And he's calling us into a whole other level of faithfulness. And he's calling us into a whole other level of trust. And we get right to the edge of something. And he's calling us beyond that. And now it starts to feel like too much of a sacrifice. Or it's too scary on the other side. I'm, I'm not sure where you're leading me, God. Now remember, every time the call of Abraham is talked about, it's always saying God's leading to a place that he did not know. God was going to show him. And so we are focused on this idea of, God, if you'll show me what the outcome of this is, then I'll buy in. You ever made that deal with God? God, if you'll show me what I'll have if I give up this whatever that you're holding on to, then I'm all the way in. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a relationship that you know you shouldn't be in, but I'm afraid to be without this relationship, so I know that you're calling me out of it, but I'm going to hang in there because I'm afraid to be without it. Maybe it's when it comes to tithing. God, if, if you'll show me what it's going to look like on the other side, and then we're all, everything's going to, the bills are going to come together, and everything's going to be, be uh, tallied up at the end of the month, if I can, if I can just know that I'll be just completely financially secure, then I'll follow. God, if you'll just show me how it's all going to be, if you'll show me the end, then I'll go on the journey. Yet God calls Abram. He says, I will show you as we go where we're headed. So my question for you is... What's your heron? What's your heron where you've gotten so comfortable that you've settled for something? You've settled. 
you're being led a direction, but you've settled. How, how do you know when you're there? Well, you know you've settled for Heron when you're focused on your current position more than your direction. See, when whatever it is that you're holding on to becomes more important to you, that your energy starts to go to, I need to protect what I have. I need to protect the financial success that I have. I need to protect the, the, the status that I've got. I need to protect the things that I've bought. I, I need to hang on. I can't, I can't get any of this up. And now your energies are focused on how do I settle? How do I protect this? How do I guard this? Because I can't lose this. And you've lost sight of the direction that God's taking your life. You're not worried about the direction near as much anymore because you're focused on your current position. Well, I want you to understand this. Just like Abraham, who I believe was able to follow the call after Taran died. And so he's partially there in Haran, and Terah dies, and so he rejuvenates his promise, his effort. And from then on, we see a different kind of Abraham. And Abraham, as a follower, understood this, and he understood this, that disciples never settle down because we're not home yet. And as he moves from Haran into the land, he is always living out of a tent. That's what they said at the very beginning, that he lived out of a tent. And he's always mobile, and he's always moving, and he's always seeking God at that that moment. And disciples never settle down because we're not home yet. The story has been told, and you've probably heard it, about the missionary and his wife. They spent decades in uh, Africa, and they'd given their life there, and they were being returned to home because they were moving into retirement, and they concluded their work. As they sailed in the ship into New York Harbor, they became aware that on the same ship was President Theodore Roosevelt. And he was returning from a big game hunt expedition in Africa. And when they pull into the port, there were bands and parades and crowds cheering for the president. As the missionary couple stood on the railing, the husband just began to shake his head. And in a moment of frustration and in a moment of self-pity, and you can't blame me, he says, will you just look at that? We spend our lives spreading the gospel. He goes over and shoots a couple of animals. And he gets a parade and he gets a band to welcome him. And his loving wife puts her hand on her husband's arm and says, But honey, we're not home yet. And it's the reminder that when we follow God's call to go mobile, that we are never settled in this life. That this cannot become too familiar to us. 
Because God's call is always one more step away. There is a homecoming that will be ours. But it's not here. Even as comfortable and as tempting as this becomes, it's always beyond. And it's eternal. So there's a call for you. And I want you to wrestle this week, what have you settled for? What's become your heron? And this is going to look different for different people. See, for some of you, it may be a change in location. There may be a call of God to go into a part of the world. Maybe it's to be a missionary. Maybe it's to, to move to a different place so you can pick up a call that God has on your life. Or it may be a change of vocation. You may need to change your vocation to where there's a call that you've been holding back because the current career is just way too lucrative. And yet God's calling you. He's leading you into a place and you've got this sense that there's something more that I could do if I would respond to God's call and there's a change of that. It, it, it may be something as simple as just a change of attitude. That when you see your neighbors, when you see the person in front of you at the line of the grocery store that drives you up the wall, you're responding differently to who you see. It, it, it may be, you may have a call from God on your life right now inviting you into a different relationship with your spouse. One that you've got to give up some of your comfort, but you're being invited to make a sacrifice and engaged in a relationship in a whole new way. God may call you to change your location. He may call you to change your vocation. But He will call you to change your devotion. Because that's exactly what Abraham did. Abraham worshipped idols back in Ur. Pretty sure Terah worshipped idols while they were in Haran. But then as Abraham moves into the promised land, he is committing to a God that is he trusts and has more faith and devotion that he's worth making the move for. And if you read on from that point on, Abraham spends his life moving around where God has him move, and he lives out of tents. And the other thing that he does is he builds an altar. Before you get out of ver uh, chapter 13, he's already built three more altars. So what he does is he picks up, he moves. He sets up camp, sets up his tent, lives there for a while, builds an altar and worships. He picks up, he moves. He settles down, sets up a tent, sets up camp, builds an altar and worships. And he just does that over and over Again, and he's leaving a legacy behind him that people behind him come along and said, Abraham was here. Here's his altar. The God that he worshipped, he keeps following. He will change your devotion. And so he becomes the model for us that when we move into the story of the New Testament, and we come across Jesus, and he begins his call in our life. 
you got to ask the question, is he worth responding to the call? Is the promise that Jesus makes worth moving out of your comfort zone and into the sweet spot of his blessings? And what I would suggest is that Jesus is the one that models this for us all over again. Because when you get to Philippians chapter 2, there's that great part of Scripture called the Christ hymn. And what Paul is doing is he's writing out, here's the moves that Jesus made on your behalf. Philippians 2, 6 says this, Who, being in very nature God, talking about Jesus, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Do you see what he's doing? Any one of those moves would have been more than you and I could have asked for. He didn't consider himself equal to God. He gave that up. He left the privilege of heaven, and he came down to earth. He gave that up. Not only did he come down to earth, he came down dressed in flesh just like you and me. Not just like you and me, even though, but as a servant. He humbled himself even more, even to death, And he didn't stop there. It wasn't just any kind of death. It was death on a cross. Any one of those moves, we would have said, that is more than we could have dreamed or asked for. How great is our God? And yet he never stopped and never settled until he fulfilled the call of God. When God calls you, to go mobile, what's your response going to be? Here's the question that I want you to wrestle with all through this series. Can you imagine what God will do through you if you will let Him? Can you imagine what God will do through you if you will let Him? Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help us at the times we settle. That we get comfortable. That we give you partial obedience. Live our full heart. Father, may this week you identify to each of us where our heron is. What's that thing? What's that sense of security? What's that comfort zone that we're still clinging to that prevents us from clinging to you and picking up and answering the call? Father, will you give us a vision? What you would do in our lives if we were just to let you that you would richly bless us and bless others because that's who you are. And we're so grateful for the journey that Jesus made from the comforts, the luxury of heaven 
to the mission of the cross. And for that, we can celebrate. Father, as you call each of us, will you give us the ears to hear and the hearts to follow? In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.